He said things that no man has thought about. Things that eyes, no eye has seen. Those are the things he has in store for us. So I, to engage my father and make his truth become my reality, I will come to Mount Zion. I come to the church of the firstborn. To God, right? Remember the, the, I don't know if you can see the throne we drew the last time. We've come to God who is the judge of all the earth. So the first thing to note in Mount Zion is that God is being referred here not as Abba, Father. He is referred here as the judge of all the earth. Where do you find a judge? So consciously I have come to God who is the judge of all the earth. Consciously I have come to Mount Zion. And Mount Zion has an amazing history. The earthly Mount Zion was located or is located in Jerusalem. And that was where King David sat down to release laws and judgments. And that's where, from, that's where he ruled. That's where King Solomon ruled out of Mount Zion. Out of Mount Zion, there's, um, can somebody go to Obadiah? Obadiah, I think, um, who is there? I think it's 17. Um, 21. Obadiah chapter 17, verse 21. Who is there, please? Thirty-one or twenty-one? Twenty-one, please. Okay. Deliver us will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Israel. And the kingdom will be the Lord's. Amen. So in Mount Zion is where deliverance comes forth. It's where people are being liberated. It's where God's law is released. The law will come out of Zion. Out of Mount Zion, deliverance will come forth and the people of God will possess their possessions. So we are consciously coming to Mount Zion. And then we say, oh, I have come to, to Jesus Christ who is the advocate. So all of this, I'm consciously coming, being aware that these are the people I'm meeting in Mount Zion. How exciting. How exciting. Jesus Christ. And Jesus here is, is not referred to, to us as Savior or friend. He's referred to as the advocate. So these terms make us aware of the fact that this is sounding like a court setting. It is sounding like when um, Joshua had come before the throne and there were others standing by. Who were the others standing by? It's beginning to make sense to us. And we're beginning to put these others with, we're beginning to identify the others that were standing by in Zechariah, in, in, in um, Job. And then it says that we have come to the spirits of righteous men who have now been made perfect. Mm -hmm. So when you consciously begin to come to the spirits of righteous men, you discover that it is your coming that makes them perfect now. Mm. Because you have come to, to Mount Zion. Because they are already in Mount Zion. But without you coming, they wouldn't be made perfect. But with you coming now, you complete the whole. 
So we're never alone. We're called higher. We're called to a higher place in God. And then I see the blood of Jesus like a fountain, consciously seeing the blood of Jesus. Then I come to the blood of Jesus too. And what is that stuff that I'm dealing with in my life that no eyes can see? What's that torment, that unending torment? What's that thing in my, what contracts have my, my uh, genealogy? What have they made in, in, in the bloodline? that I've not been able to get a hold of this blood of Jesus to whom I have come is going to wash all of that away. This blood of Jesus is speaking. Then I've come to a company of angels. So you see that it's like an amphitheater. All these angels, myriads upon myriads of angels all gathered in joyful assembly. They are happy that you have come to Mount Zion. It's an exciting moment to see that all of these are there to defend you. So when the accuser was there at the right hand of um, uh, uh, Joshua, to oppose him. Scripture said that he was there to oppose. So even before he had opened his mouth to say anything, he was already there waiting to oppose whatever it is. Or even when he went to the Lord concerning Job, we know that everybody else there was for Job. We know that everybody else in the case of Joshua was for Joshua in all in both cases. The only person that was against them was the accuser. And today the only person that is against us in the courts of heaven is the accuser. He is the one that is the, the accuser of the brethren. And when there are cases in our lives, we saw how in the past uh, in the past sessions we saw how Job had to prepare his case. And he told himself, he said that now that I have prepared my case, I know I will be vindicated. So what we do is in coming to this courts, we prepare our case. You know, it's amazing. When we go to school, we are taught to um, do things hands-on, right? Like if you're doing chemistry, you're taught to mix all these chemicals. If you're doing agriculture, you're taught to um, plant um, plant crops or something. It's there's the practical side of your studies, right? The same thing as we begin to study our sonship in God, we have to practicalize our faith. We have to engage our mind so that these truths will become our truth. That's why when we worship, we lift up holy hands. Right, we're reaching out to the Lord. We open our hearts, we lift our voices. These are practical, um, spiritual exercises we do to engage the presence of God. And with the courts of heaven, because we are called to also be here, those of us who have attended the previous sessions, we saw that the Lord instructed Joshua. He said, Joshua, if you will walk in my ways, if you will keep my laws, if you will judge, then I will give you, if you will judge your house, I will give you the power to judge my courts and you will be able to walk among these that stand here. 
That was in Zechariah 3 verse 7. So you and I are also sons of God that if we do what the Lord says, we have access here. And the greatest place to start is in the courts of heaven because we are done with these accusations that we have no knowledge of. Like Job went through all that nightmare because he knew nothing. He didn't know what was going on until he figured I need a mediator. I need someone who will put, who is both God and man, who would put his hand on my head and put his hand on God's head and bring us together. That was what Job finally came to realize. And so you and I are coming to realize that, hey, this is all they that stand there on my behalf. In most cases, that's why they say this court is rigged. Like, everybody's speaking. Even the Holy Spirit bears witness that you are a son of God. The term witness is a court terminology. So if there's something that is in our lives and we've been struggling and we've been praying and it's not living, it's not living. Could it be? Could it be? Many of you have been to the courts and you've experienced breakthroughs. I have experienced breakthroughs in my life like, you know, I don't even know where to start. But this is God's heart for you. This is God's heart for us. This is, all of them, this is their heart for us that we should come. That together as a whole, we are conquerors, we are victorious. And then like Jesus, we can stand and say that there is none of him in us. Because in the courts, these cases are judged based on the motive level. The things that the earthly court cannot judge, the heavenly court judges. The proofs that you cannot bring physically in the spirit realm, that proof is open for everybody to see. Last, uh, last week, because normally after this one hour, we spend the next hour just answering questions and um, people are free to, you know, say what's on their heart and we just admonish one another and we were able to talk about how um, Esau came into his home very hungry. That's in uh, Gen uh, Genesis verse thir uh, chapter 30 from verse 22. And he was rightfully hungry. And what did he see? He saw a bowl of red stew. And he wanted that red stew so desperately. And what did jo Jacob offer? Jacob said, okay, sell me your birthright. You know, like, how can you be so hungry and you're having to trade your birthright for that bowl of stew? Like that is just a, re that, that was just over the top. But that's what the enemy does in your point of weakness. Like he was weary, rightfully so. The guy had been hunting all day. He should be tired. And then he comes back, his nose thrills are perceiving this amazing, this amazing stew that his brother had prepared. But you see, that's how the enemy already has things lined up right 
in your bloodline. I mean, Jacob was his brother, but in this place, his name is referred to as deceiver. So we know that is how the enemy comes in to get at us. It's a spirit. The spirit of the enemy will have no legal grounds to operate on the earth. So they have to get into a human being so that they can legally afflict humans on the earth. So that spirit, that deceiving spirit was willing to take his birthright just for a bowl of stew, red stew. And scripture says that he, he had not, he, he, he said that, oh, what, what is my birthright to me when I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be dying anyway. What would my birthright be to me if I, if I die of hunger? How exaggerated, you know? Like the things that the enemy throws us at us in the moment is like, oh my God, I can't do without it. So we realize if you go read that scripture, it says that, and that was how his name was called Edom. Hmm. And what is the meaning of Edom? We found out last week, the meaning of Edom means red. And this guy had not even, he had not even eaten the, the stew yet. And you give him Edom. How can I be named after the thing I desired? The thing I engaged in the spirit realm. Like all the spirit beings just see me walking and then they see Edom walking everywhere. They see red, red, red. So that red symbolizes a spirit that he took on because he desired that above his birthright. You and I are called as sons and daughters of the most high God. And there's this stuff in our bloodline that keeps coming at us. And sometimes we desire their offerings much more than desiring what the Lord has called us into. And we sell our birthright on different platforms. Daily, the urges that come at us, the desires that are thrown in our faces, we see them as something so powerful, something that we cannot do without. And if we don't have that, then we can't have anything else. And in all those places, we sell our birthright. So I refer to this scripture so that that will inform our preparation of our case. What are the things that I have attached myself to? And in those places, I have lost my birthright. A 14-year-old will sit with me and, for example, Oh, I thought he was the one. He loved me and everything. Oh, we're going to make a nice uh, couple. I believe we're going to get married someday, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, okay, you got to pay something in exchange. And she's like, no, no, no. My mommy thought me better. But then she's like, okay, if I don't cave in, I might lose him. And then she caves in. And then even if they get married, at the end of the day, the deal is not so much as what she desired because it has opened the door for other spirits to afflict of loneliness, of guilt. And no matter how you tell her how beautiful she is, no matter how you tell her how forgiving she is, it is hard because that spirit is there to torment and to accuse. And sometimes it's not even things you bargained for. Sometimes it's somebody hurting you outrightly as a kid, molesting you outrightly. And then there's that seed of pain and bitterness and then it grows and then it multiplies. And then you come to find out that somebody down the bloodline, maybe your grandma, was molested, 
or even your grand great grandpa. You know, we've seen cases where in the courts of heaven where somebody has brought their case and they were repenting for rape and they never raped. But in repenting, they started, this spirit started coming out of this guy and he's like, what is happening? That was the first time after so many years of his life, he remembered that his dad was molesting him as a little three-year-old, four-year-old boy. Because he shut down those parts of his soul. It was too painful as a child to remember them. But in repentance, that spirit came upon him. That spirit that had come upon him during the molestation was being exposed and the Lord judged that spirit. And he was set free so beautifully. Mm -hmm. And even though he was not able, all his life, he, he had a beautiful daughter. He was not able to relate with her like he would want to. But he found himself being able to relate with her freely. I mean, there's stories and stories of breakthroughs of what the enemy would try to hide in the bloodline that you are not aware of. I hope as I'm giving these illustrations, you're beginning to see where you might have um, you might have that opening, where there's that door, where that guy is, is, is finding strongholds to accuse you. And you know that the blood of Jesus has paid for it. But why is this constantly happening to me? Now you know that you need to be in court like Job. Job was a righteous man. You are not being condemned in the court. You've not, you, you're not accused of, um, you, you're not accused of something that God is against you. No, God is for you. It's the enemy that wants to get you. And going back to Esau, we saw that he was now called Edom and his whole bloodline were called the Edomites. Why not the Esauites? So I am called Nadia because I ate, I, I sold my birthright and I took on a red spirit. All of a sudden, I am named the red. And my entire bloodline is named after a spirit instead of being named after my name. Do you get the drift? So even though you see me physically as a certain person in the spirit they are seeing me and seeing red they are seeing my god forbid my children are seeing red my grandchildren they are seeing red they have legal grounds to be there because i made a contract are, are we getting it mm -hmm. and that's why jesus christ came and gave us a higher law the things that are judged, who would have known, right? Who would have known what happened in the spirit realm when Esau did that exchange? So later on, when Esau wanted his, his birthright, he couldn't get it because he had sold it. If he hadn't sold it, Jacob wouldn't have been able to get those blessings from the dad. The dad would have figured it out. But because he had already made an agreement in the spirit, there was no way he cried and begged for it. He couldn't get it. 
There's so many stories of people in the Old Testament who did crazy things. Jacob killed somebody, took his wife, sorry, um, David killed uh, Nadab, took his wife, not, not Nadab, okay, J J he killed, took his wife, um, had a child with the, the, the wife, you know, there's that whole story about David, and then there's stories of uh, Jezebel doing crazy stuff, and Ahab doing crazy stuff, and Samson killing like 300 people because they took his wife and gave it to somebody else. Like you have all the stories, but of all the people that scripture talks about in that same Hebrews 12, where you read, it says that you should not be godless like Esau, like he's the most despised person in all of Israel because of selling his birthright. And how many of us have sold our birthright? How many of our grandparents have sold their birthright that we are just coming into this understanding that we need to prepare a case and answer for it in court and rebuke this accuser so he does not keep going to and fro, seeking, looking for those, those platforms, the altars where these exchanges were made, that these altars will be destroyed and God's legal system will bring justice upon our cases and then we can fully be, be, be released to function in our calling as daughters of the most high God free from this torments free from this opposition it is yours question is are you gonna take it are you ready for it are you gonna prepare a case are you gonna prepare a case and step in with the Lord so now that you're receiving all of this what is happening inside you because very soon we'll be going into we'll be going into the courts of heaven in a in a few minutes um there, there were other scriptures i gave um i believe you guys read it where it says to agree with your adversary quickly before he takes you to the judge and the judge will take you to uh, before he hands you over to the to the to the uh, officer, the police, and they will make sure you go to jail. They put you in jail, and they will ensure that you pay to the last penny. See, the enemy wants you to pay to the last penny. I mean, Job literally paid to the last penny. I mean, his children, his property, <laughs> everything. His wife, you know, came against him. His friends, his flesh. You know, all of that happened to, to, to Job. Are we gonna, are we gonna sit down and let the enemy win cases anymore? No, we're, we're not gonna do that today. We're gonna agree with the accuser, whatever it is. We know that he's been doing this for donkey years. We know that it is in our bloodline, tracing all the way back to Adam. So when we go before the Lord, we are repenting before the Lord. Because guess what? The enemy cannot repent. He cannot repent. He doesn't even have a clue how to do it. So the hardest thing for him is to get himself to a place where he can be restored. He can, he can be restored to, to where he was. And I find that believers find it so hard to repent. And I'm like, that's the most beautiful gift we have. When you see the things that the enemy can never ever get. Those are the things that we are even more powerful in. He can never get that. And when we repent, we break those ties. We're telling the Lord that I don't want to be in agreement with this spirit anymore. 
I repent for this. I repent for that. You think of all the desires that your heart were pursuing after to the extent that you lost your birthright or you, an exchange took place.